0: OTB Nation, welcome in to episode number 246 of the allegedly award-nominated number nine NCAA and Shrek-ranked words. We're doing this on full rest, and I can't even speak. Uh, (laughs) Of course, viewable on YouTube, Outside the Box podcast, the official lacrosse podcast on the Underground Sports Philadelphia podcast network. It's KB and Deej. I'm having Wi Fi issues. I don't know why. Nobody else is in my house right now. And uh, it's just, it's been a mess. I don't know why. But here we are. Uh, we got big things to talk about on this episode. Most importantly, one of the bigger trades to kick off this PLL offseason. Uh, we've got. I do have a question that just popped in my head, too, that I'm curious about how that would work. We'll get into it when we talk about the trade. We got the TSN Game of the Week schedule. Our boy Stephen McAvoy wrote a very interesting uh, NIL article about lacrosse and the future of it that we got featured in. So that's very exciting. We'll talk about that as well. Um, But before we get started, make sure you guys are following us on the socials. We We put a challenge out there for the people, and nobody has come through. I know, and I know. Our company has been on a month-long bender of <laughs> Philly sports. Uh, but that doesn't mean lacrosse is going anywhere. And just because it's the offseason, you can't follow us. Follow us at OTB OTBLaxPod on Twitter, on Instagram. Uh, make sure you follow DJ on Twitter at SCS underscore next great. Follow me at KBIZZL311. Follow the network at UndergroundPHI. We got a big-ass giveaway going on right now that ends as soon as the World Series is over, uh, so you don't want to miss that, DJ. Why are you laughing at me?
1: I'm not laughing at you. I'm laughing at myself. Oh I no! Just, I just had an epiphany. <laughs> that three one one really spells out K Bizzle eleven.
0: Yes. <laughs> shout out! Shout out! AOL Instant Messenger. <laughs> you can go on. No, we got a pause right here. It took it's me taken so. you a year and a half to realize.
1: That. No, I just thought it was three one one, bro. I didn't put the three as an E for so yeah. long. Yeah, like, like, I'm old. Now, I know. <laughs> until now, it's it's more. That my was a fault thing.
0: That was a no. thing in the uh, the it's early still, 2000s. It's still
1: a thing. Like it's just my fault, not yours. I'm just like not smart sometimes.
0: Oh, it's hilarious. I know. Uh, I wish I could just have my damn name as my Twitter handle, but
1: what are you going to do? I think I'm going to do that. You should. Stay
0: tuned. (laughs) 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 But big ass giveaway going on at underground PHI. Dude, we've gained like 300 followers from that giveaway alone. It's insane. Shout out to Josh Reynolds. Shout out to Dewani. We got huge things going on over there. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast feed, Apple Podcast, Spotify. You already know who the best goddamn lacrosse podcast is, the best damn independent lacrosse podcast out there. Uh, support us. Leave a five star review on Apple or Spotify. Subscribe. Holidays are coming up. You know DJ's favorite holidays coming up. When when you get around that Thanksgiving table, tell everyone. Open their phones. Subscribe to the podcast. Unsubscribe. Resubscribe. Do it like all throughout dinner. Play with the algorithm. It gets us on the charts. Uh, That would be massive. But, yeah, tell everybody at your Thanksgiving dinner table, yo, whip out your phones and subscribe to Outside the Box right now. Uh, Subscribe on Apple and Spotify. Subscribe, subscribe, subscribe to the Underground subscribe. Sports Philadelphia YouTube channel where you get full video episodes of OTB and all of your favorite Underground Sports Philadelphia podcasts. We're on that road to 1K Gauntlet Challenge. Uh, Huge things will happen once we get to 1k deed right now we are 293 subscribers uh because part of the giveaway we're doing for the network you get an extra entry if you subscribe to the youtube channel so we've gone from 269 nice to 293 uh in a matter of days so get us to 300 that would be huge um i think if we get to 300 we'll announce our secret project we have planned uh for about a month from now seems fair seems fair 31450 Twitter followers which is four more. It's a very cool secret project we've been working on so if you want it you know follow to and subscribe smash that like button Bravo. ring the bell icon comment down below your thoughts on the big Pll trade we're about to get into your thoughts on the TSN uh, game of the week schedule. Uh, your thoughts on lacrosse and NIL, a uh, whole bunch of stuff. Um, so subscribe to the YouTube channel. You can just type in now. I don't know if we, I mentioned this on last week's episode, if it was happened yet. YouTube.com slash at Underground Sports Philadelphia brings you right to our channel. Thank you, YouTube. Um, also, just want to uh, shout out the... The fans of underground, we had a, an impersonating Twitter account apparently, uh, this morning DMing our followers that they had won our giveaway, um, and sending suspicious links. Uh, I thought the whole point of Elon buying Twitter was that he was going to get rid of the bots. Um, guess that's not true, but shout out to the, like the eight or nine people that, uh, DMed us this morning to say that, uh somebody was impersonating us they followed otb and when i clicked on i saw it's it was like underscore underground with a zero phi yeah. and when i clicked on it when i woke up this morning the account had already been suspended so mm. shout out to the people who reported that it means a lot to us uh i guess that means we've made it because somebody made a fake account about our company and if i find you that's ov he's gonna liam neeson yo ass uh <laughs> Also, outside the box is brought to you by our friends at PHI Apparel Co. Uh, they're the best in the game. Like there's truly not a better apparel partner we could have found. And DJ got a text this morning. I got I got a text our boy Tyler back uh, after this episode. Podcast shirt logos, like podcast logo shirts, will be available hopefully sometime next week, oh, just yeah. in time for Black Friday. So get ready, save your pennies, go dig in your couches. because uh, OTB merch is going to be available very soon. Uh, and PHI Apparel Company is our proud merch partner, you guys. They provide unique designs and high-quality clothing for the great fans of Philadelphia and lacrosse. Uh, and with their original designs for all, there's no doubt you'll stand out in the crowd. You guys can use our code UNDERGROUND for 10% off any apparel when you shop online at PHIapparel.com. Co. That's P-H-I-apparel.co and use code UNDERGROUND for 10% off your order. Deej, let's get into it uh, because we had somewhat breaking news last night. We wanted to sit on it to make sure it was good. Not that we don't trust Ty Xanders. He's one of the best in the game with the breaking news and everything, But we wanted that official, official. We wanted some statements. We're going to pull a little bit from Sarah Griffin's article. Friend of the program. Shout out to Sarah. Uh, hit the music. Da-na-na, da-na-na. Matt Cavanaugh traded to Cannons in exchange for John Piatelli and Matt Rahill. Something I have talked about. I think I was more on board with this happening earlier in the season than DJ was at first. Uh, I said it was time to trade Cav. I, I thought with the Redwoods and I think Ben Rubio might've said this in one of the press conferences when he said, you look at all the teams in the league or it might've been pseudo one of the two. When you look at all the teams in the league who've gotten younger over the past couple of years, they've gotten better. You look at Atlas, you look at Chrome, you look at the archers infusing young talent this season, uh, Redwoods have kind of been behind the eight ball in terms of adding young talent consistently into the lineup outside of TD, Ryder in year one, uh, and And Timmy Troutner in year one. Charlie B. And Charlie Bertrand, yes. Those are like the four that have come in and been successful young players who get like quality playing time for this team. And Charlie was really more so this year than last year
1: and Cohen, but I mean, it was an immediate need. So yeah, he it was, was going to
0: slide right in and yeah. you know play almost immediately. But you look at some of the other teams where last year for Atlas, you had uh, Jake Carraway coming in kind of out of nowhere and having a stellar season. Like not that he wasn't a bad <clears throat> player in college, but like nobody really expected him to come in, I think, and produce at that level that quickly. Is what I'm trying to say there, especially when they drafted Jeff
1: T. It's a shame that he's sitting.
0: Go get us. Free caraway. Free caraway. <laughs> hashtag free caraway. I uh, like that. <laughs> hashtag free
1: caraway. Free, free Romar. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, no, I, I was not necessary. I was giving him the benefit of the doubt. Um, you know. I said week two, roll. he needed to go find James Winston's LASIK surgeon. Yeah, and I was like, dude, it's two And weeks I love and Cav. I'm That's all out of love. I was just like, give him some time, let him warm up, let him get into it. But like, he progressively got worse throughout the year, in my opinion. Some people yes. may not believe it, but like, I think he progressively got worse. And I was like, dude, like, all right. You know, I, I went, what was it, Boston? I went up to Nat and uh, who was I with McFarlane. him? McFarland. McFarlane, yeah. And I went so, I li- I listed off quite a few players. Oh yeah, a, well, well, name drop, and but I did drop Cavs' name, which yeah, and um,
0: we named dropped Caraway too.
1: Yeah, and, and Caraway, since he's already been brought up, um, McFarland's eyes lit up for one; he was ecstatic with it. Um, and, and Nat kind of almost shut it down. He was like yeah, we're working on something there. He's like,
0: you might be on to something, but not the right
1: something. Yeah, yeah. He's like, well, there's something there, but I don't know if it's that. And
0: Farlow was like, he
1: gets it. <laughs> yeah, he was like, hey, hey, you want to come? Can I coach for you? He was all for it. So, like, I at the end of the season, I was just about fed up with him. And, and that's coming from a guy who watches a lot of Notre Dame lacrosse because I lived in the midwest there isn't a ton of lacrosse up here so um that's as when you think about d1 lacrosse it's as good as it gets notre dame michigan ohio state like that's about as far as i'm traveling too those are all the ohio state's far too so Mm -hmm. i don't just go to any game there but you know so i i've i'm used to seeing kavanaugh play at a high level this is not that i was really excited To see what they were going to do and i think this trade works out i I told you like off pod like a million times over for the redwoods than it does for the cannons
0: yeah i texted you this morning i said the more i look at this and the more i like went into like reading the quotes from sarah's article which we will pull some stuff from uh just for quotes from uh coach quirk and and nat um the more i like this trade for the redwoods and not that i don't like it for the cannons it's just one of those things that you it's more so a trade for the cannons that you have to see it in live action before you can kind of assess it this for redwoods i think we'll start with them um getting pietelli and ray hill we were both kind of shocked that like throughout the season with so much turnover and so many guys in and out of this lineup on the offensive side of the ball for cannons that Piatelli never cracked a roster like he was just kind of sitting there chilling like never played in a game for the cannons uh, went undrafted and there's a quote in here that kind of caught me by surprise a little bit from nat um that that sarah put in her article we'll link this article in the youtube and show notes description as well for everybody in case you haven't read it which if you don't follow sarah or the pll on twitter and haven't seen this you live under a rock um quote from nat rob and i and my staff we talked about it last year during the draft and we were shocked He wasn't picked up in terms of Piatelli. You look at some of the goals he scored in college and how how he did it, I got really excited. Um, In college, he averaged 3.56 goals per game in 2022, which led all of uh, NCAA for Cornell. um, Saying that he's going to have the opportunity to compete for the spot on the right side with Ryan Lee and Joe Robertson, Me personally, I think he's ahead of Joe Robertson right now just in terms of like skill set and like what he could potentially bring and Rob being familiar with his game too. I think it works really well. Obviously, you and I are big Ryan Lee stands, so we want to see Ryan Lee back in the lineup healthy for this team because when he was in there for those few games that we saw him before he got injured um, in 2021, him and Rob together was like It was the smoothest we've seen Rob play in forever. Um, And that was like the best I think you and I agree that he played in 2021 was when Rob and Ryan Lee were together. And then this year he obviously came out and was like just a pure alpha male and dominated like vintage RP3. Um, But I think I would rank those guys in terms of like who I'd want to see out there. Ryan Lee, Piatelli, Joe Robertson. That's nothing against Joe Robertson. I just think Piatelli's skill sets in this offense would work really well with Rob, with Ryder, and with this midfield.
1: And that's what I would want to see. But what I think the order will be is Ryan Lee, Joe Robertson, Piatelli. Because Piatelli is more uh, versatile in terms of moving – up top and down low. He can play a little bit of midfield and he can push those guys, but he also could flip to the other side and push Ryder. I think that's a big thing with Piatelli, is he could take Ryder's spot and he's going to force Ryder to be the player he needs to be because there is someone behind him that can play as good as him and do the things that he does. So <clears throat> I think Piatelli has a lot more fluidity within the offense of where he can play versus Joe Robertson and Ryan Lee. They're kind of like that right side spot is like them. That's what they're there for. Whereas Piatelli can move around and offer different things to this offense. And I mean, I, I can't wait to touch on Ray Hill in, in, in a minute. That's that's gonna be exciting. But we'll get to I, him
0: in a minute. I think too, with Ryder now, I think this is only gonna make him better because now one You don't have, not that Ryder is typically the person who listens to the outside noise either, having gotten to know Ryder over the last four years. Like, he's very locked in when he is playing. Like, and when he's off the field, he's just a big goofball and doesn't give a shit what you say. Um, I think, though, now that the constant Ryder and Cav are just clones of each other talk is gone, it's going to help Ryder. And I think this offense is going to be so much better now. Not that it was bad you know, for the first, you know, two full seasons and bubble season with Cav. But as the years have gone on, I think you agree with me too, the offense seemed very just, like, redundant and, like, very, like, it kind of ran into each other, like, constantly and just was, like, stagnant. And you needed something fresh, and Redwood just didn't have anything truly to, like, revitalize it. Um... So I think that's going to help Redwoods in a big way where now the offense can kind of get a little more creativity into it.
1: Yeah, I think this allows for uh, Ryder and John to kind <clears> of <throat> use their creativity. They're some of the most creative and and elusive uh, attack men when it comes to their size and stick skills. Um, so they're going to be able to use that a lot. But it also just is... It, it challenges the way the team needs to run offensively because they still don't necessarily have a left-hand attackman, which worries me. But it also forces them to kind of play Ryan Lee on that inside role because you can't really have two outside righties. Like, you, you have to have one on the inside then. So if they're going to do that, that's fine. But if not, it kind of challenges them to step away from a traditional set and they're going to have to go to, like, a two set like chaos, or they're going to have to go to like just a very open set if you're going to run six right handed guys or, you know, not have a left handed attack. Men. That's like a big deal.
0: Yeah, 100%. And I think, you know, I'm excited to just see Piatelli on the field. You know, I think a guy like that with the goal scoring prowess he has deserves to at least crack a game day roster at once. Um, so, again, I mean, they're going is... to
1: expand. Or well, at least I think they are. Same. So okay, yeah, I think it will make it. The, this is
0: all just us speculating in our heads. Yeah, I mean, um,
1: if they expand, then he definitely makes game day. Roster, yeah, no question.
0: And I think him working with somebody like Rob in practice now and potentially on a game day, being able to play with him is going to do wonders for his game. Being that they're both are Cornell products, being that Rob clearly is putting insight into uh you know some potential decision making which kind of surprised me a little bit where not that you know it's a bad thing it's just like okay like this is where this redwoods team is right now and it's still rob Pennell's team and they are going to uh confide in him for franchise decision moves for the foreseeable future and i'm totally cool with that and you know i think that gives, a little bit clearer of a look into who this coaching staff really wanted to put the keys into the hands of when it, when you're talking about putting this Redwoods team moving forward. And I think that's another reason Cav got traded.
1: I think that's a big part of why Cav got traded is he just wasn't someone this team could count on to be a leader. And and wasn't someone this team could count on to come through, which at one point he was. And and, and those were some of the best years for the Redwoods. But now, like, it kind of just sucks to see, like, you know, that's where it ended up being. But, like, it happens in all sports with all kinds of players. Like, that's just life. You know, guys enter different parts of their careers and their, you know, their personalities and stuff changes because, you know, how they feel about their results and things. I mean, that's just a part of sports. That's not even just a professional thing. That's. You know, you can look all the way down like high school and middle school and see that kind of stuff going on. So it's it's not anything unusual, um, <clears throat> but I am interested to see, you know, bringing up that point, who else may possibly get traded and for the same reason, like, you know, just they don't really fit into the scheme moving forward.
0: And let's also not forget the biggest reason that Cav got traded He's on an expiring contract. Free agency is looming. Cannons are now going to have to pay him uh, to keep him on the roster. And that's the biggest reason, you know. And I think that also gives you some insight onto the offseason decision making for this Redwoods staff and for Nat as he puts his GM hat on. I'm going to go flat out and say this right now, Deej. Cav getting traded means Miles Jones is back with Redwoods. Those were the two big expiring contracts, and now you move off of one. I think Miles is back on a one-year deal at the very least. It's a bold statement. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put it out there right now. You heard it uh, just, November saying, 4th. I'm November
1: 4th from me. That's a bold statement because we know Nat. That's why I say yeah. that's a bold statement. Is November fourth, twenty twenty two, from me very, to you? He could very well lead, move the both of them.
0: Totally, but I think this move. I'm going to say I think it almost guarantees Miles Jones will be back in a Redwoods uniform. I mean, I don't mind it. I'm just neither do I. But I'm, I'm not, just, I think I'm from so the much. two I think that was like the watch that if you're a Redwoods fan or just a, a fan of the league, you were on the watch for Redwoods to see which one of those two big name expiring contract guys got <laughs> traded. And I think because it was Cav, I think Miles I think it's an easier route to re sign Miles than it would have been to re sign Cav.
1: Yes. But as much as I love Miles. Do you trade him this year because he's about to have a kid? So, yes, he's getting dad strength, but a kid's a lot, especially at a young age. It does change your focus a little bit. And do you risk him having, like, another so-so year that could potentially, like, quote-unquote, ruin his work? Like, think about what you can get from Miles right now. Yeah versus what you could possibly get for him next year or the year after if he keeps playing in the trend he's playing now. Obviously, if he plays better, you talk about keeping him or you can move him for something very good. Which is why
0: I say one-year deal makes the most sense too because then you give him another incentive to say, hey, you're truly in a contract year.
1: Yeah, but if he has a bad year, what what can you get for him? You're right. Like that's a, unless, that's a risk you play. Unless they're gonna let him go in free agency, but then that's wild to let a player that good. Cause that once again, we're talking more of the cav, a cav a scenario now where like you can get something just off the name. Yeah. Even if he's not playing at his best, you can get something because he's Miles Jones. So like to let him go in free agency is wild because he's Miles Jones. So like I couldn't imagine them letting that happen. So like that's why, like, is this like, you know. That's why I think they possibly move him this year because there's so many factors going into this next year that could like ruin it. But then again, a one year deal is not a bad option. I but I don't know if that midfield stays together. There's a lot and of guys I think that... if
0: you're on a one year deal too, and it seems off, Nat is the first one we know will make an in season trade with somebody, and somebody will trade for Miles Jones on a one year deal in season banking on okay on this end it's an expiring deal but on this end if we trade for this guy and he can somehow regain form in a new scenario we can go to the playoffs and we have miles jones on our roster
1: okay but who other than the cannons is possibly trading for miles right now honestly because um, look at the archers they have trey Leclaire, matt moore and tom Schreiber. You look at the whips; they still have Brad Smith and Channy,
0: which I don't think Nat would make a trade like that to trade uh,
1: with Stags. Anyway. Miles to the whips, yeah, um, especially after he fleeced them for jewels. Yeah, exactly. And, and um, Chrome—that's you know, that, maybe Chrome's the only interesting. One. Who do they take though? Hecock?
0: I don't hate that. Like, if if that's I, a scenario, like. And I love Miles. Miles is our dog. I mean, I mean, if that's
1: the scenario, I'm taking that now. But Peacock hasn't really been in their offense. He's kind of faded in and out. They keep running him up top. This is a good opportunity for us to take a solidly left handed player and throw him in an at attack and then rotate the rest of our offense so we have a balanced attack. Who's
0: their other midfielder? It's peacock Jackson and
1: uh Justin Anderson. Yes. That's the one that and my, I mean, Miles, sense. He, fit, he can fit right in with that line. He would just take Hecox's spot, and he's more of a two-point threat. He can still dodge. He has nice vision. I'm like still can, pretty high
0: on Miles right now.
1: I mean, of course. I'm, I'm not, not high on Miles, but, like, after the, you know, he, he had last year, not this past season, but the season before that, was absolutely phenomenal for Miles. But then you look at the year before that, he was a little shaky, which was his first year on the woods, which was understandable. And And it was a bubble. Yeah. And he had an okay year with chaos first year, which is why I think he ended up getting traded. Like he didn't have the year that chaos thought he was going to have for them. And then you look at like, you know, this past season, he struggled from time to time. So it's like, is he starting to downtrend? Because I mean, he's been playing for a while. He started with the Bayhawks. And I think he did a little. He did a little bit of box before things, you know, before things really picked up. Twenty nine. He's, 29. And, he's,
0: you know, he's. I would he, say twenty nine. You're still in your prime, or like you know, for some players, like you're just hitting your but, prime.
1: But is he? Like I think at, so. You know, if we look at his his production, it, like he's at that point in his prime where it could literally go either way, and that's scary. Like he could. Project up or he could project down, in my opinion, just from what I've seen from him, like looking at his early years with the Bayhawks with Lyle and then looking at his time in the PLL, like that transition and the merger, like didn't do him the best. I mean, I'll say this,
0: even though it was what a lot of people think was a down year simply because miles, you know, you expect the world from him points total wise in the PLL. This was his second best points total year. Of his career, he had 22 points this year. Obviously, 2021, one last game, he had 32 points, but that was like MVP type season, and arguably could have been the MVP. Um, in the bubble, in six games, he had 13 points, and then with chaos in 2019, which was same amount of games as 2022, he had 18 points. Um, I think a lot of people think as well um that miles year this year was lackluster because he didn't dish out a lot of assists um like a lot of people are, are accustomed to his first year in the pll he didn't have double digit assists um which it's gonna happen when there's a lot of alphas on this team but i still think miles is is very much in his prime um and i think he'll be on this team moving into 2023 but We'll see. You know, Nat is arguably the most unpredictable coach GM in the league, and we'll see what happens there. But moving back to the trade, because uh, we did get off on a tangent there because it's going to happen. Um, talk about Matt Rahill. Uh, he did play four cannons last year, so we do have some PLL tape on him. Uh, he used his grad year at Maryland, finished it with 28 ground balls, 16 caused turnovers. Um You know, he's part of that that famous Maryland Terps defense that that we've seen with the Whips over the last four years. uh, Comes from that system. Another undrafted rookie. Um, He only played in five games for uh, Cannons last year. Had nine ground balls, one cause turnover. Uh, Finally, a righty defenseman, which is nice for the Redwoods. Yeah. there are a ton of lefty defensemen as Nat mentioned to to Sarah in this article here. But I think putting Rahill in a, a rotation here now with Glaze, with Apple, that's huge. That that's such a massive pickup and such an underrated pickup. And I think when it's all said and done, Matt Rayhill's going to be not the Piotelli's bad. I think Ray Hill's going to be the gem of this trade for the Redwoods.
1: because yes, like I mean, you're it's almost like a one for one. With Piatelli and Kavanaugh, like I think Kavanaugh's gonna go and, and do great things for the Canons just like because of their offensive style and like the players that are around him there. Yeah. They kind of fit where he is in his career right now better. So I think he's gonna go and be very productive for them. So he, we're almost getting a one for one with Kavanaugh and Piatelli. Ray Hill offers a lot not only does he offer depth down low and being able to rotate just in case someone gets hurt and things like that. Um, but also I think he offers an opportunity to really play up top in a rotation with the LSMs as well. Like he has very good footwork. He's very good with his stick. He's aggressive. He understands the game of lacrosse very well. His IQ is insane. He's very good at communicating. And I mean, being able to guard, um, you know, some of the best attackmen in the world at, at, the, at the collegiate level and then going to the pros, it's, it's very much equivalent to guarding midfielders. So he has the experience of how to play down low because you don't lose the footwork, but he's more, I would say almost more capable, uh, air quotes around that, to defend up top on the midfielder. So he has that fluidity to go back and forth. I think uh, he'll end up playing a lot more up top because we have Cohen and, and you know that little cohort has started to get going. they they've started to really understand uh, you know, the qualities of each other. Obviously Glazen and Apple know each other, but Arden Arden really started to, you know, cement himself into that group. So I think that will stay and they'll continue to build that and Ray Hill will be like a backup option for down there, but we'll play a lot up top.
0: And I think, you know, we, bo- we both obviously love Glaze and think he's going to come back fine, but he's going to be coming off a major injury. Um, so this also gives you insurance policy just in case, you know, anything isn't fully right, you know, going into training camp or anything. But I, I truly think Glaze will be okay going into training camp this summer. Um, but here's your defense depth now across the board. This is your defense uh, depth chart. You have Glaze, you have Apple. You have Arden Cohen. You have Finn Sullivan still, who played very well in uh, relief of Eddie when he got injured, stepped up in a big way. You have Ryan Kennedy on the roster as well, and then you have Matt Rahill, um, which Ryan Kennedy is the only defender on this team that is under six foot one. <laughs> yep. Because Rahill's six foot, uh, six three. Also, could a vibe check uh, the defensive number here for you because I'm a big fan of it. Just based off of uh his his name and his size. And also shout out Matt Rayhill. He's a he's a PA guy, went to Springside Chestnut Hill High School. Um number seven is the number that Rahill's listed with right now.
1: It's it's a weird number.
0: Big a... fan of it with the way his name will
1: look on the back of the jersey with seven, though. I mean, yeah, no, he, he looks good with seven. But like it's it's always been a weird number for me i think in the, just in lacrosse in general like i'm dumb I, he's
0: not gonna wear seven i'm dumb i'm dumb doesn't I'm jules dumb. wear seven yeah i just oh my
1: god even i'm just a dumb i think I that's the number about. he wore with that, cannons yes. maybe but i think that's what he wore with maryland as well i might yeah. be wrong but dumb it's, seven's a weird number you didn't hear that <laughs> so, so, i mean anyway while we're on the topic seven's a weird number in lacrosse for me like it's
0: He's got to be the right guy. Like Jules pulls it off.
1: Jules and, and T pull it off, but like it's still like, T really pulls it off. In it, my it's it, it's weird. I to like me, it. To me, T looks a thousand percent better in fifty one. See, I disagree. But I got introduced to T in 50 right with Cornell, and then also playing in Riptide.
0: See, I saw like when he got drafted by Chaos. Mm-hmm. I saw like the the highlight tape that they put out, obviously in fifty one. I was like. 51 is an offensive guy. That's just, ugh.
1: But I've been watching that for four years. And then. Obviously, obviously I had, like, that was my. And friend. then he wore it with the
0: rip tie. And I was like, all right, like, that's his college. But then I saw him make his debut with Atlas in that seven. And, buddy, I I felt like the levitating SpongeBob meme when the Travis Scott plays. That that was me. I was like, wow, that's,
1: that's a beautiful human right there. I don't know. I think they're the only two who are seven in the league.
0: Are they? I'm trying to think if anybody else does.
1: It looks so much better a seventy-seven. Oh my god! I could see that. Just to add another one, just oh my god! The results are tremendous. But yeah. one seven, like it, it looks, pal- it looks weird in all sports. If you ask yeah. me, like seven, it's just a weird looking number. I'm sorry, bro. <laughs> Michael Vick. Vick made it look good. Who else made it look good? Truly. Just trying to think of who's worn seven. That's my point. Nobody wears well, it. You put it me on the bad. spot. <laughs> it looks bad. Nobody wears it. I'm pulling this up right now. Vic made it look spectacular, though. Like Vic, Teet and Jules are probably the only three I can really think. I don't know why Kevin Durant comes to my mind, but he did not wear seven. Mickey Mantle wore number seven.
0: Cristiano Ronaldo. Uh, John Elway.
1: Oh <laughs> wait, <it> was Dusty? <laughs> he had to have looked dusty in that number. <laughs> no, he looked good in 7 like, when they won the Super Bowl. That don't mean he didn't look dusty. He might have been good in it. Dude's be be fire but look dusty. Rexpects, bro. Come on. Every dude who walks out with Rexpects on looks dusty. Might be fire but looks dusty. That's what I mean by 7. Like it just looks dusty. Some people play it off but it's just a dusty look. I have to Trash. disagree. I know you do. Same reason you disagree with sticks. Trash-ass number. You're out of your mind. <laughs> um, Watch him put sticks on. Hey, Man's is going to wear sticks. He'd be
0: one of my... Hashtag my guys then. Yeah, I bet. Um, someone tells me he's going to wear like a number 30-something to fit the mold with every other defenseman on this team outside of Arden, who still wears set number 40. Um, <laughs> he should wear like 34. Doesn't somebody have thirty four on a Redwoods roster? Or am I?
1: I think you tripping. Tripping. I no, think it's twenty four. Hallenbeck yeah. with twenty four. Mm-hmm. Kennedy wears thirty mm-hmm. five. Yeah. I would say thirty two, but I think Ray Hill would look kind of iffy in thirty two. I think Not he would. W- I think he would look how you think Scott Ratliff looks in thirty two. <laughs> I think Scott looks fine in thirty two. You hate it.
0: Scott looks like a Funko Pop in 32.
1: <laughs> I love Scott. He looks like uh, uh, Kanye and uh, what was his like name? Roblox. Kanye and uh, who was that? Lil Pump? <laughs> they did the video.
0: <laughs> Scott looked like one of the bubble hockey players oh, no. in 32. <laughs> <laughs> But we are we are big fans of this deal for Redwoods. Let's flip it to the Canon side of things who acquire uh, Matt Cavanaugh. I do want to bring this up to you because it popped in my head as soon as I was like doing the intro. Now the trades are open. It's this is more specifically for the the four teams who are in it more so than the teams that are out of it. But if you get traded to a team that's in the championship series, but you weren't on their team, do you still get to play? Like, how does that work? work?
1: That's a good question. Like, I might be overthinking it a bit, but, like... Well, I guess I would assume once you're on their active, or, like, once you're on their team, you should be able to play.
0: Yeah. Like, that would suck. Say you're on, like, you know atlas, atlas. Or, or whips or whatever you get traded to like cannons or uh, the water dogs or something
1: Redwoods, yeah. and if you're no longer in the championship series that'd be tough i mean a lot of the i mean depending on who you are a lot of those guys, i don't think a lot of those guys are planning on playing the championship yeah series. I us like, say you from, are a guy like from what i gathered from like press conferences i may be completely wrong but you know obviously personal opinion and feeling on this is a lot of the people who will be playing championship series are young guys, first, mm-hmm. second years, who didn't get a lot of play time during the season or guys who are on reserve rosters or trying to make reserve rosters
0: and the player to see,
1: Yeah. And player mm-hmm. pool guys to see who can be a fit for their real team. That's what I gained. So like I'm yeah. not expecting a lot of starters and stuff to be there. We may see one or two from each team just to kind of be there, be a leader. Implement but I was culture, even thinking but, from this
0: perspective, like, these three guys in this trade, I'm 90% sure all three of them do not play NLL. So, like, imagine if Cannons and Redwoods were in the championship series, one of the two, and then they get traded out of it. That would suck. I'd be so bummed.
1: Yeah, I mean, I yeah, yeah. That, that would suck a lot, actually. That's going to be interesting now. Really nice. Now
0: that I'm thinking about two, that's going to be interesting – To see, since both of these teams are not in the championship series, it doesn't affect anything. But I'll be interested if any of the teams that are decide to make a trade. Like, don't trade anybody or trade for anybody until after the championship series now.
1: That could be. Unless it's
0: for a young guy who hadn't cracked a roster or is like, you know on the bubble or something like that, and you trade a draft pick or something like that, and you That's bring right, them I in.
1: I don't really see too many, like, blockbusters. Because it's Whips, Chrome,
0: Atlas, Archers? Yeah. Yeah. It's so funny. The Water Dogs aren't in the championship series. They won the whole damn thing.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're good. They're good. Um, That's the second year in a row? No, because last year... Because they were five seed last year. Chaos was six. Yes. But I was going to say second year in a row, five seeds won, but no. Crazy.
0: But, yeah, that's something I'm going to have to keep an eye on now to see if any of those four teams that are in the championship series like hold off on trading anybody until afterwards. Yeah. Which I did watch Paul's most recent – Paul Rabel's most recent YouTube video. Of him smash Uh-oh. I was just talking about him smashing the pumpkins. No, no, no. <laughs> he recapped like the the season and everything, and he said the next state of the league will have all of the information for the championship series. Let's go! So, looking forward to that. I would assume that's going to be probably in December that they'll mm. have info for that because it'll be the last one for 2022. But Cav gets traded uh, to Cannons. You and I had talked about this happening for quite a while. I think we've talked on pod where I was like, uh, go get Ryan Drenner for Matt Kavanaugh. That would have been a God dream. Um, we knew it wouldn't happen, but it was something that would have been nice, but Cav gets dealt. Uh, he's played seven pro, uh, lacrosse seasons so far in his career. He's got 229 career points, 134 of those being goals, 93 assists, Won two championships with the Denver Outlaws. Um, He's third all-time in playoff points with 49. And now he's playing with Lyle Thompson, who Cavs, Notre Dame teams back in the day, eliminated Lyle from the NCAA tournament twice. Uh, Quirk apparently called Lyle before making the deal, which... Obviously, that happens in all pro sports, and Lyle being the face of cannons, that's going to happen. Um, but it's going to be interesting, and and Nat also said, from the bottom of my heart, if I was going to trade him anywhere, I had to move him to a spot where he could truly excel and his strengths could show. I just felt like uh, this was it. He'll excel there. Guys gravitate towards him. Um, it's going to be interesting to watch Cav in a big-time like off-ball role, because I think he's going to have to adjust to that with Lyle being there. It's not like Rob, where both guys can kind of be ball-dominant and you still succeed. Cav's going to have to put the assist cap on and and really excel in that off-ball role for that offense to work. How do you think Cav and Lyle now kind of being paired up on that offense is going to work
1: the same way I work with anybody else. You just concede respect to Lyle Thompson because that's who he is. Like, like well, I'm <laughs> saying from, from the, from the perspective
0: <laughs> of Cav, like coming in, like, do you think Cav's going to be able to like
1: fully adopt that role successfully? I mean, if you want to play lacrosse, yeah. Like I, I under, like under my assumption, that's how he's walking into this. Like, OK, yeah, like I'm, I'm switching teams. I'm going to play with Lyle Thompson. So my job is to pass the ball. Like, you know, not that he can't shoot the ball, not that he can't dodge, not that he can't, you know, freely play. But like when you play with a guy of that caliber, it's like playing with LeBron James. Your game completely changes and you tailor around what he wants to do. You know, it's like playing with Tom Brady. The whole offense changes when he gets it. Like, Lyle Thompson is that kind of player where no matter who you are, you can seed your play style to fit into his. So everybody is once again going to set picks for Lyle Thompson. Everybody's going to watch Lyle Thompson dodge. Everybody's going to move off ball for Lyle Thompson while he dodges, or they're going to, you know, Lyle's going to come and set the pick and they're going to pass it to Lyle or, you know, something like that. Whereas Lyle's always going to be involved and Cav just has to figure out where he fits alongside Lyle. That's yeah, how he right. that's how he has to approach it. If he doesn't approach it that way, he's gonna be watching from the outside in.
0: And I think with Cav now, the other angle is how does this offense change in terms of now you're not gonna have like this revolving door. On this Cannons offense, you know, you went from Shane Jackson to Mark Cockerton to a whole bunch of guys playing on this offense last year, just trying to find the right formula, and it just did not work. Now you bring in Cav, you don't give up any draft capital either, really. Um, I'm just wondering how Coach Quirk, and we're, we're going to try to work on getting our coaches on this off season, you know, going into big moments and everything like that. One thing I want to ask Quirk is how does he plan to operate the other two guys who were like the constants in this offense alongside Cav now, where you have Cav, you have Lyle. What do you think this does for Drenner's role? What do you think this does for Asher's role? Especially seeing how Asher was kind of playing more on attack towards the end of the year last year than I think a lot of people expected when he got drafted where they thought oh he's going to be the midfield guy and you know come in and and be you know out of the box and everything where as the season went on Asher was you know asked to fill a a number of roles for this offense I'm curious to see like just what the uh, the overall game plan is now for Drenner's role Asher's role and then anybody else who comes into this this roster this offseason.
1: Um, I think Asher fights with Cav for that spot. I don't think they're obviously just gonna let Cav walk in and just have it. But he probably concedes the spot to Cav because I don't see them making this trade and spending the money on Cav for him not to play. Um, so he'll play, and then Asher and and Ryder or Asher and Ryan will take, you know, reps from up top. One of them may get traded, probably Drenner if someone does get traded. Which, Derrick, I mean, King it, of the it, Trades, and he's he's an open book when it comes to that guy. Like, I mean, you could trade him anywhere because he's gonna fit in anywhere. He's just that kind of player. So, I'm interested to see if they don't do that. That means Asher is gonna stay down there, and Drenner gonna take a lot of reps from up top. Those are pretty much their two options with that whole situation. Yeah, because I don't see them not starting Shane Jackson with Lyle. Well, Shane got released. That's right. Who he's is on, on the player other, pool? Who's that that they've been starting on the other it's Cockerton. side? Cockerton, that's right. Um, Maybe they both play I'm Asher and Cav, like and then ambience. they just leave Ryder up top or Drenner up top. Pulling because up the roster now, that can absolutely happen.
0: Yeah, it was it was Mark Cockerton. Now they have Cav, Asher, Nolting, Lyle, and then their midfield is just <laughs> loaded uh, with Drenner. They have Stephen Reefist, um, Chris Aslanian uh Ryan Tierney they have producer Johnny Donville um and then somewhere in the void Jake Fricaro, um <laughs> like fell off the face of the earth last year yeah, yeah um and then obviously you have uh you know Bubba Fairman who contributed a ton offensively even as a midi. um I don't know. It's going to be really interesting to just see how this whole roster gets constructed for cannons this off season and who, uh, who stays, who goes, who comes in. Obviously they don't have a first round draft pick right now. Um, but overall, I think if, if there was a scenario for the cannons to make a move, this was one of them. It was go get cab because he was a guy that was going to be on the trade block. Um, And I think this makes Cannon's offense more experienced, and I think it gives them more clarity into what they're going to be able to do, not only for now, but the future.
1: Crazy. They might not change anything, and Cav might just be a trading piece for later. Or they plug them in to simply use now so that they can trade other pieces to set up for the future. Yeah. Like, there's so much, honestly, behind the scenes that could be done with this. Because, like, I mean, Kev fits into their offense, but then again, he doesn't really fit in any offense right now with the way he's playing. So they could do absolutely nothing with him and do something completely different.
0: Yeah. I mean, like we said when we first started talking about this, this portion of the trade is you have to wait and see it like live and happening and see how these guys mesh and how they play together. Um but you know it's it's another piece for Lyle to uh succeed and, and we'll see how Cav fits in with the Cannons now as uh he moves on from the Woods. Big Cav guy too. I I really enjoyed watching Cav, you know, from 19 to 21 on this Redwood's team when he was really at his peak. Um but you know last year was tough and I think it was kind of the thing that the Redwoods needed to take the the green colored goggles off and be like, okay, we need to make some moves and we need to you know, switch this team up a little bit to f- finally reach that that mountaintop that we've been trying to climb for the last four years. Um, and I'm it, it sucks for Cav that you know he had to have the down season he had. But overall, I think it's good he's getting a fresh start. And I think for the Redwoods, it's good that they're gonna finally like feel okay with some roster turnover and and fitting in some new pieces now to build this team to be consistent for the
1: next four years. I feel like this is one of those trades where every side is equally happy and like this is like good for every side involved. Like all players, all coaches, all teams, like everything involved is is this is good for. I don't really feel bad either way about this trade.
0: Yeah. And I think in, in a way it's, uh, it's Connor Fields, Ian McKay-esque. Not that it's as polarizing because I think a lot of people saw this coming in terms of Cav mm-hmm. getting dealt, but I think it'll end up working out well for both teams, just like Fieldsy going to Archers and Ian going to Chaos.
1: Yeah, it, it definitely has that same potential. And also Uh, depends on what they do with these players. You know, they, once again, depending on what they do, it could work out even more for one side than the other. So there's a lot in limbo. It's a very good trade on paper for both teams, but depending on how it plays out physically, there's a lot in limbo.
0: And it's the first trade of what's probably going to be a few this off season. Um, But as one off season is in full swing, we have a schedule for another season. TSN, Games of the Week schedule has been announced. Obviously, this does nothing for DJ and I because we are in America. Uh, we are not in Canada. But for our Canadian audience, which is about 25% of our audience, Dej, on the the audio portion of uh, OTB, is about 25% in Canada, um, this is for you. And this is probably going to one way or another um, – sort of affect the, the U.S. viewing audience. I would assume some of these become like ESPN games of the week too once that schedule comes out. Um, but here we go. NLL game of the week on TSN is right here. First game of the season, Friday, December 2nd, because it's the only game on TV. Uh, the Philadelphia Wings at Halifax. Makes a ton of sense to have your first game of the year there. But then we also have one on Saturday, December 3rd, Vancouver at Toronto, 5 p.m. Eastern Time. Then Saturday, December 10th, Vancouver at Calgary. Some uh, Alterna Cup action as well as that Vancouver and Toronto game. But Vancouver at Calgary at 9.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Then uh, Friday, December 16th. Wow, that's interesting. Vancouver at Calgary, December 10th. Then Calgary at Vancouver uh, the following week, 10 p.m. Eastern time.
1: Just keep scrolling through.
0: Then New Year's Eve Eve, December 30th, San Diego at Calgary. So Calgary, three straight <laughs> TSN Just games growing. of the week. Uh, and then we get a U.S.-based team to kick things off on Friday the 13th. Uh, the Albany Firewater Dog Wolves uh, at Halifax, 6.30 p.m. Eastern time. Saturday, January twenty eighth. They got
1: the whips part. They got they got a few. Whips oh yeah,
0: them. the the water whip dog wolf fire, snake fire. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Friday the 13th, Albany at Halifax. Saturday, January 28th, Toronto at Calgary. Calgary, how many How many dollars did you pay to have these TSN games of the week? A whole lot. <laughs> this is compensation for Curtis Dixon losing. You get all the games of the week on TSN. <laughs> Gotta be. Saturday, February 4th, New York at Toronto. That'll be a good game, 7 p.m. Eastern time. As well as another one on Saturday, February 4th, Saskatchewan at Vancouver at 10 p.m. Eastern Time. Uh, Something tells me that New York at Toronto game will somehow make its way on an ESPN type situation. Um, Friday, February 10th, Saskatchewan at Calgary, 9 p.m. Eastern Time. Uh, Friday February 17th Calgary at Vancouver once again so all of those matchups are your TSN games of the week at some point uh, then February 25th Vancouver at Saskatchewan Friday March 3rd Buffalo at Halifax uh, Saturday March 11th Albany at Toronto Saturday April 1st Buffalo at Toronto Saturday April 8th Panther City at Calgary Friday, April 14th, Las Vegas at Calgary. Saturday, April 15th, Philadelphia at Toronto. Saturday, April 22nd, New York at Halifax or Colorado at Saskatchewan. It can be flexed uh, according to the schedule here. Um, I'm assuming that's based on if New York is in a postseason position or not um, or if Colorado and Saskatchewan are. Uh, and then Saturday April 29th New York at Vancouver 10 p.m Eastern time so that gives Calgary one two seven. three four five six seven eight, eight. games of the week <laughs> that is your that is like in baseball when a, a player uh, gets offered the qualifying offer and then leaves and you get a draft pick for it. <laughs> This is the qualifying offer. Your superstar player leaves. You get eight games of the week on TSN.
1: I'm just upset it wasn't seven, so I could use the Kanye opioid crisis in TMZ as a quote tweet <laughs> where he's literally just screaming at him, seven!
0: <laughs> or my my go-to seven thing is uh, from Seinfeld when George Costanza is trying to name his kid seven after Mickey Mantle, and he's just in the
1: car, and he's like, Seven! <laughs> You've seen that TMZ meltdown, haven't you? Yeah. Yeah. Seven! Seven! It's a great name.
0: It's a great name. That's one of the best Seinfeld episodes ever. Um, Some good games on the schedule here.
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And I can't wait for one of these games to be the face of some crazy scandal about the chin strap thing. I don't oh, know. yeah. Talk um, to me
0: about this because I, I saw you retweet it, but I didn't get a chance to really, like, dive into it because I think it was put on Twitter yesterday. And yesterday I had uh, the day job, then I had to call a football game, and then I had more Philly Sports Bender to go on.
1: Yeah. Um, so basically it's proper use of equipment. Um, they want them to actually have their chin straps on their chin and, like, buckled in so like it should be touching their chin. And not hanging off under, you know, their neck and like, you know, over their Adam's apple. I think your chin needs a little more protection than your Adam's apple. I don't think you want to bite off your tongue when you get hit, but you know, protect your Adam's apple. I don't think you want all your teeth to fall out, but want your Adam's apple to be there. I think you see where I'm going with this. Tease and peace to <laughs> the unbuckled chin strap podcast. Is, is no one is protecting their their jewel of a face in all reality, like not that's, saying that's all It's funny these- you said
0: that because Jules Henningberg was the last host of Unbuckled Chin Trap.
1: And he, he also was <laughs> yeah. the last person to come out with a broken nose. <laughs> but like he was also wearing his helmet just fine. He just got yeah. cross-checked in the face. Um, but yeah, like it's, it's just the whole point of, of protection, especially with head injuries. Like, one of the biggest things is people not wearing mouth guards which people brought up as well they think they're going to crack down on like people not wearing mouth guards correctly or not having them in that's a huge thing like people don't realize having a mouth guard protects you from having a concussion it's like 60 percent of the time or something like that and then you couple that with your chin strap so instead of when you hit the ground your chin popping open your chin strap is going to keep your chin locked in place and keep it there so you don't harm yourself. But instead, everybody's chin strap is down here, and they hit the ground and go... Do ah, you your strap hang low, do it. Wobble to the flow. And now they look like the Grim Reaper from Billy and Mandy. Anytime he gets upset, his mouth just drops down. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's one of my so favorite like, memes. Yes. So, and that's what people are walking around looking like because they're not protecting their jewel. You know? So just wear. I think it's a great idea. I think it needs to go down in levels as well cuz you see it in you know senior box A and you see it in other levels of box like guys aren't wearing their chin straps properly and, and it causes injuries it's just not safe people were complaining about it and that's you know cuz kind of, everybody's kind of sort of like oh we
0: want to look cool
1: yeah they're just kind of just throwing jabs like well you're oh, not going to look
0: cool when your skull's split in half like uh homeboy from House of the Dragon if you know you know
1: like that that's all I'm trying to say here <laughs> That's all I'm trying to say. Here. Uh,
0: so yeah, I, I'm a big fan. Anything to you know improve player safety, we are a fan of.
1: Because um, I want I want to see them play. Like that's what all of this is about. We don't do what we do for them to get hurt. We do, what yeah. we do what we do to watch them play, so that you guys can watch them play. But instead, if everybody's chins are hanging down to their feet, I don't think anybody's going to go play.
0: Right, hundred percent. So. Look good, feel good, play good. You, you got to be protected good, too. Um, Deej, we got mentioned in an article this week about NIL and lacrosse. Shout out to Stephen McAvoy. Um, hosts the, the Get in the Hole podcast for us. Not affiliate, We are not affiliated whatsoever with the NIL deal website. It's Steve's actual, like, day job. Um, so I want to thank Steve for reaching out to, uh, you know, confide in somebody who he uh, respects their opinion on the sport and you know, their knowledge of the sport. And um, I just want to say, like, if you have a problem, there's people who have issues with us in the lacrosse community. Um, Mostly me because I never played the sport. I ended up talking about the sport and I have found, you know, some success in talking about the sport in this space and, and being involved in the sport. I'm not going to name drop because I am I'm too good of a person to be doing that um uh, mature adults. But if you have a problem with me or you have a problem with people who happen to podcast for our company that we don't get paid. Like people people don't don't get this twisted. We have sponsors and everything. But we do not collect a paycheck from hosting this podcast or any of our podcasts whatsoever right now we are truly independent like grinding through the mud to get to that point but we all work together nobody works for me nobody works for dj nobody works for matt dom anybody we work together as a, a symbiotic company and just put out dope content for people and trying to turn this into our actual careers if you have a problem with me in the cross space Why don't you just DM me like a grown adult and just say, hey, let's have a conversation. I know people take it uh, very strangely that I had no knowledge of the sport going into 2018. And, you know, in four years, I've flipped that into being a co-host on one of the most successful lacrosse podcasts on the Internet. Sorry, sorry that I was able to do that and that my brain is able to function that way. Sorry, I can just grip onto a sport, fall in love with the sport, and then be able to talk about it at an intelligent pace on a microphone once a week with one of the homies. Sorry
1: about it. (laughs) And and I'm sorry that y'all want to gatekeep the sport. Like, What you have done is exactly what we want other people to do. NBA fans don't gatekeep new fans who just hopped in and then happen to learn everything really quickly and picks, you know, a random team to be a fan of. And that's what it is. NFL fans don't do that. Um, You know, baseball fans do, do, they might chastise you for a week or so about being a band. The weird
0: baseball fans that do it are like 50 years old and older.
1: Yes. And that's understandable because they lived in a different era where baseball meant a different thing. Totally understandable to me, but you know, now you you don't see that they, you know, they might chastise them for like a few days, a few hours about being a bandwagon, but then they, they leave it at that, leave them alone. And that's it. We're like, it's a continuous thing with the lacrosse community, like bashing guys who like weren't in from the beginning. Well, guess what? Guess who else wasn't in from the beginning? Me. I jumped in my junior year of high school at 16 years old. And then I just learned everything I knew, like gatekeeping the sport and, and, Hindering gatekeeping okay, the sport and just being on people's backs for how they enjoy it and how they get into it is what's hindering lacrosse from being the sport it really should be. Other people see that and then don't want to get involved. That's a huge problem. Like lacrosse could easily surpass soccer and could possibly surpass hockey in terms of viewership and entertainment and and people going just because of its excitement levels. But when people see how fans interact with each other or how media interacts with fans or media interacts with each other, they don't want to be a part of that because of what they see from the outside looking, looking in. And obviously, inside looking, looking out, we know what it's like in the community. We're here. We understand everyone isn't like that. And we understand it's not always like that. Even those guys aren't always like that. But that's what they see. And if that's their first impression, they're going to run with it. Because that's one thing I've learned is as much as people say, like, you know, how someone feels about you doesn't matter. It does. And first impressions matter a lot.
0: 100%. And like, I I was even texting Steve, like, don't worry about, you know, people coming after you because people are going to be like that. Like, even I still feel like I have to tiptoe sometimes when we talk about certain things, because it's helpful that. You are are the co-host of this show now with me because you played and you have that, uh you know, game analysis type of thing where I don't have that. Like, you know, somebody could mention a lacrosse play to me. I have no fucking clue what you're talking about. And I'm just watching it from a standpoint of like ball went in back of the net. Let's see how the fuck it happened. I don't know the X's and O's type of thing. And that's this podcast. We don't give a shit really about talking X's and O's. That's why so many guys come on this show with us and kick it, which breaking news, we might have a certain, uh, (laughs) very famed player, uh, for this podcast that we talked about all summer coming on the show. Very, very soon. Teaser. DJ didn't know about that until I just dropped it here. Um, but you know, it's so goofy. Like, to gatekeep this sport, to shit talk people who talk about the sport. Like I, I just don't understand the, the God complex. Some people in the lacrosse community have, I don't understand the, uh, you know, the disdain for people who want to talk about the sport in any aspect. Like Steve's not a lacrosse guy at all. He might've gone to one of the most powerhouse high schools for lacrosse where Tom Schreiber and Will Manny went to high school, but he, he's not a lacrosse guy. He went to high school with Kyle Thornton. That's his, his claim to fame with lacrosse. Um, so, like, for people trying to come after him for this article and, you know, say there were quotes from uh, somebody who this guy works for. Again, Steve does not work for me. He works for our company that we have. And just because he trusts me to give, you know, my thoughts and opinions on what he was asking me, sorry about it. Like... People just need to grow the fuck up, honestly. Like I'm sick and tired of the lacrosse community being this way, and that's why I love our listeners and our fans who rock with us and have gotten down with our content no matter what has gone on. Uh in the chair that DJ sits in now, like people fuck with us for who we are and the content we put out there, and that's dummy appreciative. Like I I wouldn't give a shit if we had two listeners a week. Like it's just cool to see the community that has come around us like you know when we went to dc and we gave our tickets away and it happened to go to somebody who has been rocking with us since day one like that's the type of shit that matters to me when it comes to covering the sport and growing this game from that aspect you know the the ever overused term grow the game that's what it's about to me and That's what I was doing while I, you know, answered the questions that Steven presented to me for his article, which we're going to dive into. And I wanted to get your take on uh, just some of the the space since you were a college lacrosse player as well and just missed out on the NIL uh, era, which is so unfortunate. Um, Steve also did an article uh, on like the biggest uh, NIL guy out there. I don't know if you saw that, too.
1: Oh, I did not see that one from, from your her. from your least
0: favorite college. Oh, he uh he did a Q and A with uh Mitchell Pelkey.
1: Oh yeah, he is like the biggest on and NIL guy.
0: Who Steve said he might be able to get us in contact with him, which would be pretty sweet. I mean, um, yeah,
1: because, I mean, he's he's big. He's big. I, as much as I hate that school, I, I'd sit down with him. That's oh, wait, Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Oh, no. Before we go a little deeper, like, my only thing, lastly, with, like, the gatekeeping is the people who are gatekeeping the sport shouldn't even be doing it because the people who the sport belong to don't even want to gatekeep it. Yeah. They want to share it with literally the entire universe. If they could, they'd teach an alien how to play. Yeah. And here you are saying who can and can't do holier whatever than the thou. Game. Like, get out of here. If Like, you know, obviously, like, I don't want to pull him into this, but if Lyle Thompson, like, knew this was going on, he'd probably be out here chopping heads off. Like, like, he'd literally be, like, scolding this man. Like, who gives you the right to say what can and can't go on with the game of lacrosse? Yeah. Like, you know, just just think about who you are and humble yourself before you go and, and spread or, or – dictate other things about other people
0: and it's not the first time some of these people have mentioned me without mentioning me have a spine and come have a dialogue like grow the fuck up i i hate that shit like don't talk about me without talking about me keep my name out of your mouth unless you're willing to talk to me face to face and i'll leave it at that we never like to get very controversial on this podcast from that aspect but it's been a boiling point for me with certain factions of the lacrosse community for years now. Um, and I'm just fucking sick of it. So grow the fuck up or come talk to me. Simple as that. Um, have a spine. Anyway, the NIL deal. Um, our boy Stephen McAvoy a couple days ago put an article out. Um, lacrosse Unlimited grows UNLTD roster, which is their NIL um platform they ink six players to nil deals i feel like i'm having a blank on who lacrosse unlimited is
1: they sell like okay gear and stuff online and like that's what that i thought kind of stuff.
0: yeah um right they're the retail store mm-hmm. um so they had an inaugural class of 10 athletes from last year join the brand they have six new ones this year uh, they're joining their team are Graham Bundy Jr., a midfielder from Georgetown, Abby Bosco, a uh, defenseman from Maryland, Will Bowen from Georgetown, Kate Dever, a uh, goalie from USC, Kayla Martello from Boston College, and Connor Theroult, uh, the goalie from Brown. So that's the new six there, both men's and women's. Um, each player will have their own page. lacrosse unlimited's website where they will show off the equipment they use with fans being able to dress like them and get replica sticks strung like their favorite uh, collegiate athletes additionally the deal is designed to give these athletes exposure to lacrosse unlimited's follower base of over 290,000. um ceo of lacrosse unlimited joe de simone uh said partnering with these athletes helps lacrosse unlimited stay in touch authentically with the sport of lacrosse its latest trends and its values We get to see what gear these elite stars are gravitating towards, why they chose what they chose, and what's working for them at the collegiate level. It's invaluable information for us as we continue to grow our brand and serve the needs of our customers. Um, And then, you know, Steve asked me my thoughts on everything, and I, I had said, like, you know, before the PLL and the NLL, like, being where they are right now, like, true lacrosse coverage stopped at the college level. Like, Memorial Day happened and then bang. Lacrosse is done until, uh, you know, February. Um, but now with access to coverage, you know, with ESPN, um, you know, we have drafts, we have games, we have unbelievable access to the sport now. Um, and beforehand, it was like minor league, like the MLL as a whole. When you look back on it, a lot of the coverage was minor league esque. Um, Now I think we're just going to keep seeing the NIL stuff boom and you're going to be able to follow along with the collegiate athletes you fall in love with because a lot of people are not like me where I fell in love with the game at the pro level and have just been able to kind of like backtrack and like look at college players and look at guys when they were back in college Now, a lot of these people who are fans of either a college team or a college player and they get an NIL deal, you're following along with them from the jump. Now you're going to follow them to the pro level and still continue to follow along with their career and see what they do next. Um, And, you know, we talked with with K-18 after the championship game and he said, you know, there's dudes out here now. They're scouting like middle schoolers and high schools and getting like recruiting prospects and stuff like that. He tweeted it, too, um, which even like three years ago was not really happening. Now there's people out there putting highlight tapes out there for high school sophomores. It's, it's fucking crazy. And I think that's only going to continue to make the NIL space explode. And you saw like Joey Spelina getting an NIL deal as a senior in high school. And now he's playing for uh, his NIL company is <laughs> his coach. Um, so, I mean like that could, you know, potentially like evolve where it's like, Oh, look, High School Athlete is now sponsored, you know, as an, as an example, NIL deal with uh, Gate Lacrosse, and now I'm going to Syracuse. Like, that's a huge tactic in terms of, you know, these NIL deals moving forward, and I think it's only going to help uh, the, the sport continue to grow across the board and, and people just be more... They're going to be able to really recognize people in the space more because you're going to get an early start on it from these NIL deals.
1: Yeah. I like what it's going to do for the, for the sport in terms of bringing back up what K 18 talked about. Like you look back at like him, Paul, Mikey uh, Powell, Casey Powell, um, Joe Walters, Jules. If these guys had NLL back when they were playing, the impact that would have had not only on their careers, but on the game of lacrosse. I think more kids get into it. Like looking at lacrosse, I don't see another sport where players try and younger players try and literally be like those players more than I do in lacrosse. Like I never see, except maybe basketball. I was going to say basketball
0: is probably the only like other one. Yeah.
1: Where you see players like emulate other players, but it goes a step farther with lacrosse because you see guys want to wear the exact same leg undergarment combo. That his favorite player wore along with the exact cleats that he has and he wants his stick strung the exact same way he does he's going to wear his tilt on his helmet the exact same way like it doesn't go that far in basketball kids just you know wear whatever they want to wear in basketball like lacrosse a lot of kids are trying to emulate every part of their game after their favorite player and a lot of time that starts in college so nil is only going to push that further oh i can get the stick that's strung up pretty much exactly like my favorite player. And he gets a cut of that money. That's cool. Let me do that. And then maybe I'll, you know, then they're thinking, okay, if I keep doing this, I keep using his stick. I use his moves. I'll be in the same place he'll be in. And then I'll be able to make that money and I'll be able to, you know, sell sticks to kids that want to play like me. Like it's, it starts a chain ladder and it's an important chain ladder in my
0: opinion. hundred percent. And I think, two players that stand out to me that really missed out on nil like even outside of like the paul and k18 and everything miles jones and drew snyder
1: and search Serge, yeah oh my god he would have killed up here in the midwest during his time at notre dame
0: but with Maybe miles even, and even uh team. with miles and drew like you're one of the pll when they were advertising them with adidas and everything mm-hmm. and how like big those two are on social media as well like Those two with NIL would have been millionaires. (laughs) Literally millionaires.
1: I think they could have been millionaires.
0: Um, Insane. It's wild. Um, But I think NIL is like, with lacrosse especially, is like, this might be a bold statement. I think it's the number two most beneficial sport for NIL behind football.
1: I will slightly disagree. I I will slightly disagree because basketball will end up being that way. It
0: will. But I feel like the deals we've seen so far, like that, have been publicized at least in terms of like just like number of them. I feel like we, and it might just be because we're so tapped into like the lacrosse space.
1: Wait, mm, mm, hold that. You might be right. Just because basketball is so one and done. So Mm -hmm. I don't see a lot of companies really dumping money on a player for one year, and a lot of people
0: are, and a lot
1: of these like superstars
0: are going right to the the G League Ignite team.
1: They'll do it for three or four years. They won't do it for one year. I and I also, some people might hate me for this, but I want to see lacrosse change their their age limit. It shouldn't be four years, in my opinion. Two. I'd I'd be cool if
0: it was the football way.
1: Two or three. I don't think it should be one. No, no,
0: no, no, no. no. I think the football like, rules would be fine with lacrosse, but I also
1: don't hate the... But like, I'm sorry. I could see like Connor Schellenberger right now not playing a single touch of Virginia lacrosse ever again, finishing his schooling still because they don't do anything. He's a sophomore? Yeah, they don't do anything during this time of year but still playing PLL. He's good enough to play in the PLL right now and then he could just go to school during the school year.
0: The only argument I'm going to throw out there, and I, again, I might sound dumb because I didn't play or anything, and I think <laughs> we both agree, the, and we, we saw kind of the adjustment period it took, even though it was in a limited dosage for Michael Sowers, year one to year two, I think the switch of college to PLL with the number of extensive rule changes in terms of shot clock, field length, and everything. Not that Schellenberger's not going to succeed. Like, he's going to be a superstar. But I think it does take a while for you to get acclimated, depending on the type of player you are. And I think it does benefit some guys to have the full four years of Of just college lacrosse under your belt. That way, when you're going to the PLL, it can kind of be one of those things where, like, not that it's easier, but the speed can kind of improve your game almost. And it's a better adjustment period because you have multiple years of the college game
1: under your belt. I mean, I'm not disagreeing with that. I just think that. You know what I mean, though? Yeah, I just think the option needs to be there. 'Cause like it, I think the football rule
0: would be fine. Like if you could come out after your junior year if if that player is
1: yeah. ready, like yeah. I think that I think, would make sense. I mean, I, I was saying too, just as an option. I, I doubt they would go to two, but just to like I'm thinking of players like Sam Hanley. Um, you know, I mean even even Rambo was very good his sophomore year. Like there's players who Jared Bernhardt, you know, like uh uh, uh Pat Spencer, you look at how their draft stock would have been in their sophomore or junior year versus their senior year. You, you know what I'm saying? Like, I think they should have the option to choose when their draft stock is the best to go if they're ready. You know, but they don't have that option at all because they have to sit the whole four. Like, just giving the players that option to exercise when they feel they are ready goes a long way with, like, how players play, how they prepare, how they take those seasons. Like, I think you get a lot more out of football players in, you know, in those first two years or than you do in that third and fourth year, those first two years, they're working, they're trying to get on the field. They're getting better every day. But then that junior year, they're all junior senior. They're all about what they're doing on the field during game so they can get drafted and nothing else matters, but what they're doing on field. So like, I think we could see the same production coming in the cross where guys are working a little bit harder years one and two and then looking to be that polished product year three to possibly go to the league. And if it's not looking good, then they stay a fourth year.
0: Which is why I also think, like, if it were to change, it would have to be like the NFL style. Also, because you look at who's on a game day roster and it's so hard to crack a game day roster in the PLL. With, with it being 19, and you look at those 19 guys across the board on all eight teams right now, not thinking of expansion down the line, um, those guys are fucking massive. And if you let a kid who thinks he's ready after his junior year come out, and then it's like, you know, he goes to training camp, and it's like, oh, fuck, like, maybe I wasn't ready yet, and I should have gone back to college. Well, it's like, well,
1: but then missed okay. out. No, that's when we got to have draft combines. We got to have those times. Like, like if we want to, the sport to go where it needs to go, it needs to be on par with other sports where you can go into the draft and you can exercise options and look at things and then decide, you know what? I'm not ready to give up my college eligibility yet. I'll go back for another year or two and then I'll get into this. You can do that in football. You can do that in basketball. I even think you can do it in hockey. Well, granted, you can get drafted at high school in hockey, but like, you know what I mean? Like, you have that opportunity to exercise that option to a certain point before you lose your eligibility, and then still step backward. That's where the sports
0: here's. Go. Here's my question, though, and I might just be brain farting here because this is where my brain is thinking. I think the toughest part with that, and I like that idea, but I think the toughest part of it is that the college season happens. February to May, and then PLL starts that first week in June. Where would you? I p- mean, potentially get if, that draft if, combine
1: in if, where if it makes sense. I guess if we're if we're being honest with this, that draft combine can be in. It can be that last week of, of May, or that first week of June. That's when it could be. like it can be done, and realistically, the last week of, last week of May is a better week to do it. Sure, you're going to have some players coming off of, you know, the tournament or off the championship game. They might choose not to do it or whatever. That's fine. But you have the time to do it. It's right there. Three or four days. Do the combine. Let guys come in. And then they have that weekend to talk to coaches. Oh, okay, you know, this is where we might draft you. This is what we're thinking about, da 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 And that Sunday is the cutoff. Like, granted, it's, it's a very short period. It's not that, you know, short of a period That's for other that. sports. But, like – I think that's a realistic period, especially for lacrosse, because like guys know and like lacrosse doesn't change too much from college to pros like those guys are pretty much the size, you know, your senior year, your junior years that you're going to be in the pros. So it's it's more of a. Am I ready mentally And, and do I think I can play at this speed? Am I ready to adjust mentally more than it is physically? So it's like that that week, week and a half is enough for these guys they're 22 23 years old you know after having a few conversations with their parents their coach and a prospective coach they can figure out what they really want to do
0: i think the only other difficult aspect of it where you mentioned where it could happen is pls gonna be in training camp that week so the 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 two options i have here are because obviously you're going to want your head coaches to go and take in some of the combine at some point. So that's going to take away, you know, moments in training camp there, which is, you know, do you want that to happen? Like from a league perspective, do you want that to happen? Secondly, well, the the flip side is, does the league then say, instead of that happening, we go the route of every other sport that, you know, does combines and stuff. And now these coaches are allowed to hire scouts.
1: That's what I was going to say is you let you do it that way. You let them hire scouts. They watch a majority of that so that, you know, head coaches can still be at their practices and training camps and everything. But then you get all your coaches together for the scrimmages or, you know, you have your scrimmages staggered throughout the day where the coaches aren't busy so that they can stop in and see the scrimmages. Even if it's not the entire time, they're only watching a half or whatever for their you know time's sake giving just that's all really coaches need to see. Like, granted you know some skill work and and positional stuff looks good for coaches to see in terms of your footwork and everything but a coach can watch you for a half in a game and know whether or not you're going to fit into a system and what he needs to do with you to make you know to make that happen so realistically this could happen if they hire scouts let them do most of the you know scouting throughout the school year as well because a lot of these coaches are already coaching high school or college which happens at the same time so those scouts can go out and, and coach. It opens up job opportunities within the sport. They're going out to scout during the college uh, school, uh, season. And then, you know, they get to have that draft combine. And then coaches come in, see the scrimmages, and they can make decisions from there. And, you know, with the scouting, you know, you have that all year as well, because that's what other sports have, right? Guys don't normally exercise that draft combine option unless they've been getting talked to by scouts and agents and coaches. So let's do the same thing here. If we have agents and scouts and coaches at this level, they can talk and there's the mediation. Well, you haven't really heard from any coaches or scouts since, you know, week week 15 or uh, sorry, week five of your college season in your junior year. This probably isn't the year to go about it. Let's wait. Let's train this summer. Let's go next year. You know, that's you know, we just have to take the same steps that other sports have taken to give these athletes those fame, those same liberties. Yeah, and I'm
0: not saying that it's not possible. I think it's just a lot of... Uh, Time crunch. You got to move stuff around. That, and I think it's just a lot of like semantics that have to be worked out. Um, and if I'm and being... When you are fiscally able to implement it as well, I think is the other big chunk of change there.
1: If I'm being honest, I love Memorial Day weekend, but we could hypothetically shift all that up. I agree. Like a week or two. Really like two weeks. There's no reason why they can't play during the week. They're all out of school, literally out of school. They're not even mm-hmm. taking classes anymore. They're out of school. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, why are they only playing on Saturdays and yeah, Sundays? Sense. You know, or, or th- I think it was like Thursday, Saturday is what they were playing during the week. And then the last games were Friday or Friday, Monday or whatever, Saturday, Monday. Like, they could play Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Sunday. Thursday, Saturday or whatever you want to do to get it all done and then have the combine for two weeks, three weeks before yeah. they even get into the That makes
0: again. more sense to me, honestly. That in makes terms so of much just, more like, sense. Time length and everything.
1: I understand why the NCAA like, wouldn't do it or whatever because, you know, they're so set in their ways and all of that. But that I like that option a lot.
0: I like that a lot more, too. Um, and you know what? You guys can put in the comment section your thoughts on that um let us know your thoughts on everything we talked about on this episode um especially the cab trade we spent a a lot of time on that which rightfully so it's a big deal um shout out to steve for the mention in the nil deal we'll link steve's article in the uh the youtube description and in the show notes on audio for you guys to check out uh go support him he does really great work with them covering nil and He's a damn good golf podcaster, too. So check out the getting the whole podcast on our network. Um, But that's all we got for you guys this week. Next week, NLL preview episodes start. We're breaking down the wild, wild west Uh, next week's episode. And it's going to be a doozy of an episode. There's a lot to take away from the West. That's why we're starting with them. There's more teams. There's a lot of change out West. Our defending champion is out West. Um, So we're going to start with the West division next week. The following week, we're going to break up the East into the old school North division, uh, which is Buffalo, Rochester, Halifax, Toronto. And then the final preview episode. the nll season will be the following week which you guys will be able to listen to on black friday um will be the old school east division which is philly new york albany georgia and then the following week the nll is here we're a month away a month away from lacrosse being back on our tvs (laughs) And we got a big project in the works, but you're only going to get it if you subscribe to our YouTube channel and follow us on the socials. At OTB Laxpot on Twitter, Instagram, get us to 1,450 followers on Twitter. We'll announce it. You'll be very excited. And get us to 300 subscribers on YouTube. That's when we announce it. Those two things happen. Bang. You get DJ and I's top c- secret super project that we're working on uh, for the NLO. Uh, but you got to follow us at OTB LaxPod, Twitter, Instagram, follow DJ at S E S underscore next great asterisk to be determined. Stay tuned. Uh, follow me at KBIZZL ZZL 311. Uh, okay. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast feed, Apple podcast, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast. leave those five-star ratings and reviews. Like we said, with Thanksgiving right around the corner, Everybody at the dinner table, tell them to whip out their phones right before you eat, or before you bite into that turkey leg, take a big old, a big old bite of mashed potatoes, whatever it may be. Tell them to subscribe to OTB at the Thanksgiving table. Uh, record a video of your family doing it; It'd be pretty funny. Uh, we'll retweet it. We'll post it. Uh, and of course, subscribe to the Underground Sports Philadelphia YouTube channel. That's where OTB is located in full video form. You get it every single week at OTB Lax Pod. Um, YouTube underground sports, Philadelphia is youtube.com slash at underground sports, Philadelphia, subscribe, smash that like button, ring the bell icon, comment down below your thoughts on everything we talked about on this episode. And, uh, we're on that road to one K still for the YouTube channel, looking to get to one K, uh, so we can take that next step forward on YouTube doing big time things. Uh, but we need your help to get there. We're seven away from 300, So make that happen. Let's make that happen this weekend, guys. Come through. Uh, Subscribe to the YouTube. Shout out to our sponsors. You've seen them below all episode. Tomahawk Shades, Kenwood Beer, Pickup, Bino Board. New Liverpool Bino Board just dropped this afternoon as we record this on Friday. Uh, So go check that thing out. And, of course, PHI Apparel Company, OTB Merch is on the way. Uh, go to phiapparel.co and use code UNDERGROUND for 10% off your merch. This has been episode number 246 of the allegedly award-nominated, number nine-ranked NCAA. See, look, we talked NCAA. That's why we're number nine-ranked each. See? I told you. Uh, number nine NCAA and Shrek-ranked podcast. And, of course, viewable on YouTube, Outside the Box podcast the official lacrosse podcast on the underground sports, Philadelphia podcast network. Be kind to one another, have a spine for Deej. I'm KB. We're getting the heck out of here. Peace. Hey.
1: And that's outside the box.